I'm Gargi, host of Text to Task Simplifying Education. Thank you for joining me today. For updates, follow me on Instagram at Gargi Speaks. Welcome to our podcast. Today we delve into the captivating tale of Namibia, a nation celebrated for its diverse landscapes and dynamic cultures. Embracing a profound history of education that traces its roots to pre-colonial eras. Namibia has continuously harnessed the power of learning to drive its progress and uplift its populace. Throughout this episode, we embark on an enlightening expedition through the educational odyssey of Namibia, navigating from early childhood education to the realms of higher learning. Together, we will explore pivotal milestones and groundbreaking initiatives that have profoundly impacted and molded the country's education landscape. And joining us today is the esteemed and versatile educator, Julius M. Pohn, whose expertise and insights will illuminate our discussion. Julius M. Pohn is an experienced English teacher with a teaching career spanning 18 years across three African countries, Cameroon, Gabon and Namibia. He has a diverse teaching background, having taught at all levels of education, from primary to university. Currently, Julius is teaching communication at Intellectus Campus, a vocational training school in Namibia. Throughout his career, Julius has been recognized for his excellency and received several awards, including the Camelta Teacher of the Year in 2013. He also received Otozunpa Council Excellency Award in 2021 and was honored at the Camelta Critic of the Year in 2022. Apart from his teaching accomplishments, Julius is a multi-talented individual. He is a playwright, actor and dramatist, known by the pen name Imphon Indizama. Now, let's dive into the conversation and explore Julius's experiences and expertise in teaching. So my first question to you is, what is the structure of the Namibian education system? Uh, the Namibian education system actually carries out what we call um, outcome-based education. And they are more interested in learners acquiring skills besides getting knowledge because they want to train people who can perform and not people who can come out and repeat. They want to train an innovative generation. And in this way, they, they, they carry out uh, two types of education. We have general education and we, have a, we, we, we also have uh, occupational education or professional education. There are 10 levels of qualification in the Namibian in the Namibian system of education. We start, there are three main areas. We have the primary education, which is made up of uh, seven years. It, it starts from grade one to seven. We have uh, the secondary education, which starts from grade eight to 12. Junior secondary is grade eight to 10 and then senior secondary grades 11 and 12. Then we have the tertiary education, which is uh, other professional schools and universities. For the 10 levels of qualification, 
at the basic education level, education here is almost completely free. In the primary school, no child pays anything for education. So at the level of the primary school, we just have the school living certificate for the basic education. Then level two qualification is considered to be the grade eight and grade nine. If you've completed grade eight and grade nine, then you can be considered to be uh, qualified for level two certification. But at this level, it is done this way because there is a big rate of school dropout. Many people drop out of school here. When they drop out, they can, using the knowledge they had at the level of grade eight and right up to grade 10, to get a vocational certificate. And this vocational certificate is identified as a level two certificate. Then they can get up to grade 11 and write the ordinary level, the Namibian Senior Secondary School Certificate ordinary level in grade 11. And that will be seen as uh, the, third, the, 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 the third level of qualification. And still at that level, with the ordinary level, they can still get a vocational certificate, a national vocational certificate. So when you move from the ordinary level, you go up to grade 12, just one year after, you write what they now call the advanced subsidiary level, and it is considered as level four. From, from, this, from this level now, we, we go up to the, uh, to the ad, not sorry, the advanced uh, subsidiary level is level five, because level, level 12 is, uh, grade 12 is level four. Then from grade 12, if you are pursuing general education, you can move on to the university. Then you get a bachelor's degree, which is considered at level seven. You can also get, a, if you don't want to get a degree, you can do three years in the university and get a diploma without getting a degree. Or you do four years, you get a bachelor's degree or you can earn an honors degree. The difference between the bachelor's degree and the honors degree is that uh, the, the, it is just in terms of grading. Like if just like in the, we can have first class honors, second class honors, and it continues that way. And after the honors, at the level of the honors degree, those who are pursuing professional education, they can also get a professional degree then we move on to master's and then the doctoral. In the line of professional training, like I said, Namibia likes its citizens to be productive. So a lot of, and since there is a lot of dropout in education, they've also encouraged uh, professional training in, in all types of vocations. There are many vocational training schools and centers across the country. The authority that is in charge of this is the Namibian Training Authority. So in this line, you can get the, vocation, the national vocational certificate. You can get the advanced national vocational certificate. You can get an advanced diploma, professional diploma, or you can get up to a professional degree. So both ways, you, uh, if you follow the general education, you end up with a normal ordinary degrees. But if you are following the vocational trait, you still end up with a professional degree. 
which qualifies as a professional. However, still in the, in the line of general education, people can go up to the university and then go into a professional department and train in any profession they like. You can start, after studying the sciences in general education, you can get to the university and train as a nurse, or you can train as a teacher or any other technician. Recently, they've started the Namibian University of Sciences and Technology, which is exclusively a professional university. And here they train professionals like uh, uh, in agriculture, they train engineers, they train medical doctors, they train many other professionals. So it's purely scientific, it, it, it's for scientists and they don't, they don't treat other subjects in the university. So basically that is the structure of the Namibian educational system. And like I pointed out before, in this system, they are more concerned with outcomes-based education. They want to be sure that any child that is educated should be employable. They, they, they should come out of school with skills and they should be employable, which is why even in the general education, they still encourage them to learn other skills like ICT and many other things attached. So you are not, you, you don't, you don't learn exclusively English or exclusively history. You must pick up other skills along the way as you grow. That is the system of education, and that is the structure, which is leveled from basic education, which is level one, right up to level 10, which is the PhD, the doctoral degree. I hope that makes sense. Yes. Uh, building on that, I'm curious to know what challenges do teachers face in delivering quality education in Namibia? Um, I am an English language teacher here, and most of these challenges, uh, as it is like, like in my African, we use a proverb, we say, Gagi, you were actually cutting the meat where I was holding it. You brought this interview up at a time when I was doing a research into the problems of language teaching in this country. And I came to discover that it was not just a problem with language teaching, it was a, a problem with teaching as a whole. Um, the very first thing, Namibia is uh, it's a young country. It got its independence in 1990. It's just 33 years old. And be an African country, it is a developing country. It has, a, it, it, it has let me say, a, a, the, the population is varied. We have people of different origins, different ethnic groups, different uh, races, and so on and so forth. But the cosmopolitan nature of the, the, the country makes it, presents so many challenges for teachers. Being a developing country, the first thing which is happening here, which happens in most other African countries, is the fact that we suffer from lack of resources. These resources include textbooks, especially for the English language. It's difficult to teach English language without textbooks but we, we, we lack textbooks. You may come to class and you find that 
you have one textbook to 10 learners. Basically, education is free. In government schools, government supplies textbooks, but they are unable to cover up, to, to, to meet up with the demands in the school. That's the first thing. Besides textbooks, we have, uh, we, we lack things like photocopying machines, which you, you, if you had one textbook, you could photocopy and make copy for students to use, or even copy your assessment papers. We lack photocopier machines, and we lack uh, computers and internet that which can enable teachers to integrate information and communication technology to teaching and learning. Especially in the rural area, there's no connectivity, there's no electricity, so we, the, 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 the rural areas are still a bit backward in terms of information and communication technology. The second problem which we have is overcrowded classroom. Actually, um, as per the plans of the country, a, cla a, a class size, a normal class size should be 35 or less than 35 learners in class. But here, the normal classrooms range from 35 to over 45 learners. I have taught a class of 60 learners. And it happens with all subjects. But when it comes especially to language teaching, it becomes very difficult because you know that with language teaching, we have to pay attention to each individual learner, especially in a country where English is studied as a second language, where mother tongue and other languages take precedence in their day-to-day -day communication. The teacher of languages has to pay close attention to every single learner. But here, it is not possible because the class size is large. And of course, it makes it worse for the teacher of English. And to compound this, classroom management becomes difficult with large classes. We all know that as professionals, because every learner can hide in the crowd. The third problem we face is absenteeism of learners from schools, especially in rural areas. And I'll start by telling you the cause. The rural areas, the, the rural population, they are really poor. They, they, they are poor. Then in their constant need to survive, the kids stay away from school. Like uh, it, December, January, which is a planting season, the children stay away from school with their parents to go and till the fields and plant. And then now again, now that we are in May, the, the, the main crop here is millet. It's a desert country, and the main crop that they grow here is millet. Now we are in May, millet is ripe. Absenteeism again will increase as the children go to help their parents to, to harvest the crops. Besides absenteeism, we have a very large dropout rate. Just the dropout rate here is so high. Education, like we say, is really free here. And I don't know whether it is because it is free and the people don't attach value to it. It's a factor I'm still thinking about. They really don't care much about education. And 
There are two reasons for this dropout rate. One, teenage pregnancies among girls. It's a big problem, a major problem. You hardly find a girl that will grow up and get to age 20 without having a kid. It's rare. And anytime they have kids between 14, 15, 16, 17, we have seen kids as young as 14 getting pregnant they, right in primary school and they, they just drop out. Uh, but the, the another problem here again, when it, that causes this dropout rate, like I've mentioned before, is the, the, the poverty of the parents. Um, while education is free, the schools, Namibia is a sparsely populated country, and the schools are found, the, the, the schools are wide apart. So the, the children have to travel long distances to go to school. Some actually bravely stay in their house. Children can trek for six kilometers every day to attend classes. I really find it disturbing. Other parents, uh, would say that they, they, most of the schools are equipped with hostels where the children stay and the parents, while they are not paying school fees, they are expected to pay the hostel fee, which is little or nothing, but they have to buy things for the kids that they will need in the hostel. And some parents just can't afford it. And so you find that we, we have these hostels operating even in, with primary schools too not just secondary schools. And you find kids as young as nine being put in a hostel. And then they, they employ people like house mothers and matrons and patrons to take care of them like, like their, their, their hostel parents because the kids can, simply can't live at home and cover the distance to go to school. So the distances and the stress of attending education under that condition, I think it's one of the reasons that causes this dropout. So um, the fourth problem for that we face in school is lack of parental involvement. What we realized, uh, Namibia had gone through a very troublesome history of colonialism and got its independence only in 1990. And throughout its period of colonialism, it was fighting wars. Most of the adult population is not educated. So as with uneducated parents, they don't. Most of the people age 30 and above, they really are not educated. So it is difficult for them to help their kids with homework or things like that. Uh, they can't help their kids with homework or they and they can't even monitor the progress of their kids. Many of them don't even understand what is happening with their kids in school. They just send the kids to school, maybe because education is free or maybe because other kids are going to school. I've seen parents who really say, oh, I can't wait for this vacation to end and, and let this kid go back to the hostel. They send, some of them send the kids to the hostel simply because they, they can't support uh, the, the mischievous kids at home. They see the school as a place where they can keep the kids and, 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 and keep them out of trouble. Then these parents, there are parent involvement activities that have been invented 
and schools practice like book inspection day, where parents are supposed to come to school, go through all the books of their kids with the teachers, question what is happening, see the kids' progress. It's an opportunity for teachers and parents to meet and discuss with the kids. But many parents don't even care to turn up on those days. There are prize award ceremonies that schools organize. Almost every school, be it government schools or private schools, they organize prize award ceremonies, but the parents just don't turn up. Uh, there are parents teachers meeting, parents teachers meetings where they could come together and discuss problems facing the kids and the schools. Parents don't even show up. So sending your kid to school is like just keeping him away from home, and that's it. Is the is the responsibility of the teachers. When when the kids even become troublesome in school, you call some parents. They tell you upfront that I sent him to school so that. You should teach him to grow up to be a better person. Why are you calling for me? So parent, parental involvement is very low. That poses a big problem for the teacher. Then uh, the fifth problem that teachers face is lack of refresher workshops. You know, in a teacher's life, there, is, there are CPDs, continuous professional development. There is the adage that if you stop learning, then stop teaching. But one thing I noticed in my three years experience here in Namibia is that you hardly ever hear of refresher workshop for teachers. Uh, there is a body NIET, National Institute of Educational Development, which is in charge of uh, professional training for teachers, pre-service training, in-service training. They are in charge of developing resource materials, curricula and everything for teachers. But you hardly see the impact of their work on the teachers. Um, NIED is supposed to draw up the, the training. As a matter of fact, in the last two years, uh, a new curriculum was introduced in Namibia in 2019. Uh, in the last two years, results of national exams have really been terrible. They fell so low, and the reason is obvious. Teachers have not yet mastered the new curriculum because they've not been trained to handle the new curriculum. And that has led to disastrous results in the past two years. We are just hoping that something will be done about that, and then we can see an improvement. Another, another problem that we have here is lack of motivation and negative attitude of learners especially towards the English language. And uh, it, it is as a result of the language teaching policy of the country. Uh, in Namibia here, the first big problem that the teacher has is to get the learners actually follow lessons in English. Reason being that while English remains the language of instruction, for all education, uh, there is a policy that for grades one, right up to grade four, the kids are taught in mother tongue. It's terrible. They are taught completely in mother tongue, and English is just a subject. What even compounds that problem is that they have this regional educational policy. Each region handles its educational policies. Of, of the 10 regions, 
There is a national curriculum to follow in the subjects, but each region takes care of And last problem that teachers face in Namibia is poor salaries. Of course, it's an international problem. Teachers are not well paid anywhere in the world. But here it is particularly bad for private for teachers of the private sector. Like in every country in Africa, the, the teachers in the private sector seem to be the, the, down, the, the, the lowest character in society because you have to negotiate your, your salary with your employer, who of course started his school to make a gain. And they pay you what they like. And teachers, people who need employment desperately, they take it and go on teaching. And you find that such teachers, they are not even motivated to teach when they have such low salaries. And many of them always try to do other things be besides teaching to augment their salary. And the other things that they try to do actually interfere in their work a lot. So, uh, Gagi, those are the challenges. What is the role of, of technology in the Namibian education system? Uh, Namibia is developing in every aspect. I say it's a developing country and it's developing in every aspect, including a technology. Uh, actually, Namibia is one of the countries in Africa that values technology a lot. But the problem when it comes to this technology is implementation. Since 1999, just nine years after getting its independence, Namibia embarked on a project which they baptized National ICT Policy for Education. It was supposed to be part, uh, part of, ICT was supposed to be part of training for all teachers and at all higher educational institutions, starting from higher secondary school through universities, Everybody going through university was supposed to know ICT and so on and so forth. But it did not really work well. So it was a policy that they brought up which was good, but it never worked well. It, 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 it was very slow until 2010 when they rebaptized it as the National ICT Policy Implementation Plan. This was in 2010, and uh, many organizations came on board to support the development of technology for education. We had organizations like Schoolnet Namibia. We had uh, Namibia Education Training Academy. We had Computer Education Community Service. These are all non-governmental organizations which came in to support the government. And the role they did is, they donated ICT equipment and resources to schools. They, they undertook personally to train teachers, especially in rural areas on the use of ICT to supplement teaching and learning, or to support teaching and learning. But even then, the, the training was done, the equipment was given, the training was done, but the implementation was never really effective again. And there are four reasons for this. Some of the equipment which was donated, of course, came from the West, which was also donated by the West. They were poor and outdated. They came into like aid to Africa. It was poor, outdated equipment, which didn't work well. Uh, 
besides this, they trained the teachers, they trained users of this equipment, but they did not train them as technicians to maintain this equipment. So eventually, when the equipment breaks down, it stays on, on repair and it cannot be used again. Then there is no internet network and no electricity in rural areas. So the implementation could be limited to some urban towns and cities. And a, a majority of the country is rural, is rural. So it was not really effective. Then the last thing is that learners themselves needed to be trained to learn uh, using ICT, the system. So teachers who were even knowledgeable in computers and they could do uh, online teaching or they could use projectors, the learners themselves could not follow these lessons delivered using ICT. So the learners themselves needed to be taught how to cope with this. And that doubled the teacher's effort. And with a situation like this, the teacher simply gave up the ICT approach and went back to traditional teaching of chalk and talk. So uh, that is what they faced. But with the advent of COVID-19, everything changed. When COVID-19 came, there was a lockdown and teachers could no longer hold face-to-face -face classes. Teachers were now forced to teach online, to deliver their lessons online. Every teacher had to make an effort to learn how to teach online. And every household had to make an effort to get a cell phone, a digital phone that their kids could use for learning. And every learner had to make an effort to learn. But we remember also that by 2019, most young people were already used to social media and the internet. So we could easily here adapt, uh, adapt their social media behavior to become learning behavior. I personally, I, I did a course creating and implementing online courses. I had never taught online before coming here. But during that COVID season 2021, I took on a course with Open, creating and implementing online courses. I learned how to teach online. And I came to realize that my best LMS learning, um, uh, learning system was the WhatsApp, which all learners are used to. Every child, even a child of five knows how to use WhatsApp. So with their social media consciousness and ability, we could now easily make uh, learning online become comfortable. And that is where ICT now gradually crept into teaching and learning here. And it, it's becoming very supportive. You can find that teachers can easily use projectors now. They can play, they, they can play videos in the classroom. They can use, or they, we can use all the different advantages of ICTs now in almost every classroom anywhere. Um, uh, the country now, because of the COVID again, the country has regrouped. Now there is an ongoing program which it has a very long name, <laughs> pay attention to it. It is Digital Skills Foundation to support education and training in their digital transition, 21st century learning and blended learning. It's a program that the government just came up with and it is open to all teachers who are interested and are able to handle it from primary school to the university level. 
it is free. You just need to be willing. You just need to have a cell phone or a personal computer and you are willing to learn and you are, you are given the course. The training is free. And I see many teachers are really clamoring to learn it, which is a good thing for the country. So now um, I cannot say the uh, technology, learning technology is the best, but it is very, very progressive and promising. Now I can, another thing, it, it just through the online teaching, we've learned that we can get parents more involved through online contact because every classroom now, every subject teacher creates a WhatsApp group where they put all the parents of all the children in the WhatsApp group and the teacher has to report in that WhatsApp group what each child is doing in class. So the parent doesn't really need to come to school to be aware of what the child is doing. They can simply go to WhatsApp and get everything that their children are doing in school. Even we can even uh, we can snap pictures of their performance, take pictures and send for parents to see. So technology is now playing a big role in opening up um, teaching and learning here. And it is a good thing. So now we have blended learning. We have face-to-face -face learning and we have ICTs coming in to play an important role. And to us language teachers, it is a blessing because we, can, we have so many language games that we can play, so many YouTube videos we can use. And the, the children are really also now beginning to see things in other parts of the world to augment what they know in their own context. So that's how technology is working with us here. I appreciate your insights, Julius. Along those lines, I'm interested in how does the Namibian education system prepare learners for the job market? Um, remember, Gabi, at the beginning, I told you that the Namibian government, the system of education that we have here is the outcomes-based education, OBE. We call it the outcomes-based education. Or in other places like Cameroon, where I come from, they say it's competency-based. In school, we are not interested in giving children knowledge. We are interested in them developing, developing their competencies and skills. And that's why they take professional education as important as general education. We know that there will be doctors, there will be lawyers and doctors, but we also know that there will be farmers to grow food. We also know that there will be nurses. We also know that there are people to run shops and all of that. So the, the, the Namibian government is training its young people in practically every field that you can think of. Like I am teaching in a vocational college now where we have courses like wholesale and retail, where you just train people how to run a shop. There is something they call uh, uh, warehouse and supply chain management, where people are interested in seeing how goods can successfully move from one part of the country to another. It's a whole course we are training them. They are specialists in that. So uh, the, the Namibian education is geared towards making young people employable when they leave school. So we have, like I indicated, there is general education, of course, and there is professional education. The general, the, the, the professional education is run by the Namibian Training Authority, abbreviated NTA. NTA 
actually offers scholarships to training institutions like mine to train these learners. The, the government vocational schools are there, and then there are other private vocational colleges like the one where I'm teaching, and practically every learner in my school is under government scholarship. So they actually sponsor the, the kids, and these are kids who dropped out in grade eight and grade nine, like I mentioned before, they are now brought back. Some of the, 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 the girls who got pregnant after giving birth, maybe they were in grade 10, they now come back and choose to do a trade, to learn a trade. So the Namibian government is very willing to, to sponsor them, to learn what they want, teach them professionally, so that when they come out, they can immediately help themselves. Even though there is still a problem of uh, unemployment, it is simply because the jobs are not there, not because the skills are lacking. There are many young people who are well-trained, but who don't have jobs because the jobs are not available. And some of them are struggling to create jobs for themselves based on the fact that they were given skills and not just knowledge. Now, um, those who even follow the general education, like I told you, they can get to higher levels and branch to follow professional, any professional field of their choice. They can do engineering. Those who study like math, physics, chemistry, they can branch. They can go to the National University of Sciences and Technology and learn to be engineers. Those who studied natural sciences like biology, geography, they can always become, uh, go and become doctors. They can become nurses. They can take any professional field related to the sciences, which is taught in the National, uh, in the Namibian University of Science and Technology. Uh, of course, uh, and like I mentioned before, every other university, even the one that is supposed to be teaching general education, has departments where you can also follow up professional traits like teaching and nursing. So this way, they are trying to see that when you graduate from school in Namibia, you are already a professional in a particular field. Added to this, everybody that gets to the tertiary level, you must study ICT. I see people who can't speak English, but they can use the computer very well. I'm teaching them now. Some of them even teach me many things on the computer while I'm teaching them English language. They can't use English language, but they are good users of the computer because ICT is the extra skill that they must learn before they leave school. On a similar note, what support is provided to teachers for their professional development in Namibia? Um, like, I, in, like I mentioned before, Gargi, uh, teachers have many difficulties. And one of those difficulties, like you saw, was that they don't have the necessary support, or at least the support doesn't come from where it should come. Um, however, there is, there is NIET, which is a National Institute of Educational Development. Uh, the job description of NIET as an institution, NIET is in charge of developing syllabuses, developing curricula and syllabuses, uh, ensuring that there is smooth transition from one curriculum to another if there is need for a change, like it happened in 2019. They are supposed to organize train teachers, give teachers pre-service training, uh, 
and give teachers in-service training. Of course, there are some people who graduate from university with just a degree without a teacher training qualification, and they embark on teaching. These are some of the people who actually need this in-service training, which the National Institute of Educational Development is supposed to provide. But we hardly see this in place. That support is not coming. If it's coming, it is so insignificant. They only embark on the support when they face a tragedy like now that the results were bad. It is now they are thinking that, oh, since there was a change of curriculum, teachers were not updated on how to handle it. So they get little support in terms of professional development from the institutions that should be given. However, like I told you before, there is free professional training in ICT for teachers, which is a way, a kind of support from the government to teachers to upgrade their skills and everything else. It is a welcome initiative. And I see many teachers, especially the teachers of the younger generation appreciate it a lot. Some old people like us say, oh, I'm on my way out. I'm not interested in that thing. And maybe I have four or five years to retire. And they just, they're not just interested. Then uh, um, in most of the schools, since the schools are found far and wide apart, most government schools have accommodation for teachers. And this uh, gives teachers time to, they, 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 especially in the rural areas, they have accommodation. And the accommodations are always, uh, they always have things like internet connection and other facilities that can help teachers do their work effectively. And again, there are, the, the Namibian government offers scholarships to performant teachers. Teachers who are doing very well, who are producing results, the, gov the government sends them out. It is a way of motivation, which actually helps teachers to excel. As, as they have an agreement with a country, I think it's Malaysia, where they, they, I, 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 I was pre-selected last year, but something turned up, I didn't go. And this scholarship, they go out for exchange with other, teacher, with other teachers in other schools, in other countries. Some actually go for further studies. And the government sponsors them for this trip and pays for them. Then, of course, in another way, um, the government gives awards of good results, awards for good results to teachers. Teachers who produce good results at the national level they are given awards. And awards like this motivate teachers and they are motivational and they help in professional development in the sense that a motivated teacher is a teacher who wants to do more. And the teacher who wants to do more wants to develop more, both personally and his learner. Last year, I was lucky that I was one of those beneficiaries of this award for my excellent O-level results. So, and I feel motivated. Uh, congratulations, Julius, for winning that award. And my last question to you is, what initiatives are in place to promote innovation, creativity in the Namibian education system? Um, the initiatives, there are, two, there are two initiatives to promote innovation and creativity in the Namibian educational system. Like I indicated, uh, 
In the last two years, the results in the national exams have been very bad. And teachers have to look for new ways of uh, doing things differently to improve this result. One of those uh, initiatives is now um, workshops, training workshops. I'm running some myself. The ones run by the government, they are not, they are not considered enough. I run some myself on voluntary basis. I just do it with neighboring schools. That is one innovation. That is one initiative which is personal. Um, of course, the government has, is digitalizing uh, teaching and learning, and there is, uh, they are bringing modern equipment in ICT, which will make teaching in the classroom innovative and interesting. Uh, then, at the level of teachers, we have what we call uh, development of professional learning communities. And I'm sure you understand what development of professional learning communities are. Teachers come together, they form, they form a group of professionals where they carry out an exchange of experiences, what they see, they, they share their experiences, what works, what doesn't work. So teachers teach, they, in that sharing, they learn from one another. They also come together as a group. They, they can set common exams, like here, each region, at the end of the year, they write, why we have national exams for the, for the end of course classes, we have regional exams for, uh, for, for those who are changing class, who are changing grade. They, they, you don't set internal school exams here. The exams are always set regional. And it is set by a group of teachers. And it is, it, it is good because it gives quality to the exams and teachers, and during these settings, teachers learn things like uh, assessment, uh, moderation, and things like that. Those, it, it all comes up from this development of professional learning communities. We have now, like I introduced, it is something which was common in Cameroon. We have uh, our Cameroon English Language and Literature Teachers Association, CAMELTA. Every teacher in Cameroon belongs to a national WhatsApp group or a subsidiary group. We, we, we have this big group where we come together and we exchange ideas. I encourage that here. It started slowly, but I see it's gaining ground. Teachers now form WhatsApp groups of subject teachers. There are subject groupings on WhatsApp, and they can discuss all the things they want to discuss, learn new things that they can implement in their classrooms, and sometimes teachers are now beginning to organize exchange visits where if I have a problem teaching a particular topic, I can pay a visit in your school and observe you teach it. If you know you, you are a master in that area, I can come to your class, observe you teach it. I can see how you prepare your lesson. We can exchange lesson notes. There, there are senior people who are capable and who are better in the subject. They prepare handouts and just share to other teachers, and we just take this handout and use in class. So uh, these are the initiatives which are mostly carried out by teachers. Julius M. Fone, we extend our heartfelt gratitude for the precious time you have dedicated to us and the wealth of knowledge you have generously shared. 
Your expertise has undeniably elevated our dialogue, igniting a newfound passion for continuous learning and personal growth. We are profoundly inspired to safeguard education and prioritize the well-being of students, cherishing its significance at all times. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gaggy.